Welcome back to the Instec London podcast. I'm Matthew Grant, one of the partners at Instec London. In the last two episodes, we brought you Zigo, Forest Car, Oil Spill Insurance and Shepherd, all of whom spoke at our recent Instec London event. Today, we have three more of our speakers. According to CB Insights, there has been a major shift in the nature of business assets in the last 40 years. In the 1980s, 80% of assets were physical and only 20% were intangible. Today, only 20% of assets are physical and the remaining 80% are intangible, such as goodwill, IP, and other types of networked risk. Insurance evolved for hundreds of years around providing cover for these physical assets. But there are still many gaps, and hence opportunities, to develop insurance products for today's far greater exposure to the intangible assets. We're hearing a lot, for example, about blockchain and distributed ledgers as one possible solution. But what will happen when smart contracts fail? Hugh Carp founded Nexus Mutual to cover just that possibility. Hi everyone, uh, my name's Hugh Carp. I'm the, the founder of uh, Nexus Mutual. So um, what's Nexus Mutual about? It's, it actually kind of goes back to what insurance is about, and that's about individuals coming together to pull risk together and, um, and become more resilient and stronger. So centuries ago, communities, villages, trade groups, they used to form together in small, in small mutuals and they became, they became stronger as a result. But they were still quite, quite small and they were still exposed to, to risks. So um, they, couldn't, they couldn't grow very well outside of their small membership base um, and they, they couldn't actually grow and access external capital from, out, from outside that membership group either. So, so what did we do? We, we, we put in place insurance companies. They, they essentially grouped larger groups of people together and they also had the ability to access capital from, from capital markets. So they could bring in external capital and allow um, faster and greater growth. So, so, so that's, that's really good. They actually solved the two fundamental issues of the mutual, which are one, scaling trust, and two, scaling capital. So the, the problem was that, I guess, they also introduced that conflict of interest between the profit motives of the shareholder company and the customer motives of getting their claims paid. So in response to that, we put in place all this heavy regulation to make sure that the, when the insurers were looking after the client's funds, that they managed it appropriately and that agency problem was, was reduced. So, so that all works quite well, um, but we've got a quite um, costly system, inefficient system, and some, it's quite inflexible in a lot of ways. So how can blockchain help that? Well, blockchain has, has two fundamental things. It can, by transferring trust to code, and in this case we're using the public Ethereum blockchain network, we can transfer trust to code in smart contracts. We can allow people who don't know each other to trust each other. And by tokenizing membership rights of the mutual pool, we can actually make them tradable and access external capital, much more flexible capital than mutuals currently operate with. So it, by dealing with those two issues, we can actually make the mutual model scalable again. And by doing that, what we've effectively created is an alternative risk carrier, 
We've created a decentralized structure where individuals come together and we're linking smart contract code to a real world legal entity um, in the UK. So we can actually make the mutual model scalable again. So that's, that's quite different to a lot of insurtechs out there at the moment, which are essentially providing either services or distribution capabilities to existing carriers. We are actually being our own carrier and allowing members to share their risk together. So, okay, so, we, so we've, got this, we've got this new type of carrier based on blockchain technology, and what are we actually going to do with it? Well, we're actually going to ensure, I'm not ensure, we're actually going to cover, because we're not legal insurance, we are going to cover bugs in smart contract code, other smart contracts. So we're a smart contract platform that's, in, that's covering risks of, of smart contracts being hacked. So this is kind of like a, a subset or a new strand to, to cyber insurance. So to give you some idea on the risk, there's, there have been um, three, there are many more, but three really big hacks on the public Ethereum blockchain. Um, over the past few years. One was the, the DAO hack, where 50 million of, of Ether was, um, was stolen by a hacker. And then there have been two more, more recent issues with related to Parity's multi-sig wallet address, where the first one, um, 30 million was hacked, and the second one, 300 million was frozen. So these are big issues. And I guess, for those of you who had no idea what I'm talking about, um, I will, I'll try and use a, a somewhat odd analogy. I'm, I'm the father of two small kids, so bear with me. Um, so if, if we think about um, developing code as baby-proofing your kitchen. So if, when you're doing regular code development, you might put some locks on the cupboards or whatever. You do a few basic things. Um, and then you watch, and if something happens, they get into something they shouldn't, you go and grab them and you fix the problem and all the rest of it. So you're watching and then you can react and fix the problem. When, you, when you're developing smart contract code, it's like you have to baby-proof your kitchen, but then you just go down to the road and you go to the cinema and watch a movie for two hours and you let them loose. So you have to actually lock down absolutely everything, every cupboard, every dial, every little thing, otherwise you could have disastrous consequences. You're operating code in an open platform that anyone can interact with. So there's a clear risk there, and that's what we're, we're trying to cover. We're trying to um, make sure that, we're trying to enable businesses with, um, with business-ready smart contracts, so that they, instead of being able, having to code at NASA-level security, you can actually develop code in a much more reasonably cost-effective way, and then also purchase insurance and get deployment a lot earlier. So this is a real issue for the Ethereum community, and we're actually building a quite a niche product for a niche audience to start with. Um, but I guess we're also building a product agnostic platform. That's, that's the first product we're launching with, but our platform's capable of, of handling any product, and we um, plan to ex extend that in, in the future. Okay, that's great. So you've got this um, new product and all the rest of it, but how the hell do you price that thing? Um, so um, I'm an actuary, and I know that you can't really price it. So the, one of the challenges here, one of our unique um, selling um, points is the fact that we're actually going to crowdsource the underwriting. We're going to allow people with smart contract auditing expertise, developers, to come in, stake some value against particular smart contracts that they deem secure. 
that will drop the price and allow us to cover some of that. In return, they can earn um, extra tokens when people purchase cover on those smart contracts, but they also risk losing their stake uh, if there's an early claim. Claims assessment. In addition, like we, it's the same, same type of approach that we're taking with the underwriting. We're actually devolving this to the membership base. It's decentralized. Each member has the opportunity to vote on each other member's claims. They have full discretion in um, which claims get paid. And in the same way, they can earn extra tokens for participating in that process, and they stake value um, to prevent them voting fraudulently. So that's, that's essentially what we're doing. We're using blockchain technology to apply to a very a niche product to start with, but we're building a platform that has much more uh, greater capability. We're building, actually building an alternative risk carrier uh, for the insurance industry. That's, a, that's our grand vision. Um, so we're re rebuilding the old mutual and effectively handing control as much as possible back to the membership base and get them involved as much as possible. And they're incentivized to do that uh, through, through token incentives. In, in, in essence, we're trying to bring the customer and put them back at the heart of insurance. Theft of IP is an expensive and real threat for startups. BMS has created a new product to protect patents and patent applications, launching in Australia first. Simon Meach tells us how it works. Trademark disputes can kill off new and exciting young businesses. Brands can be stolen, new market entrants can be bullied, uh, and, and this, this is what our cover provides. So trademarks are not patents, they're not business names, they're logos, they're pictures, they're sounds, smells, or even movements. Um, so they should be considered not as the product, but as the brand of a business. And as the world is becoming more and more connected and more and more crowded, it is the brand that will make a business stand out. So imagine if you have a new small business, a new great idea, two, three of you in a small office trying to make it work. You've got small overheads, cheap costs, trying to, keep your, trying to save every single penny. What you don't want is a new, brand, a new business, coming, an old business, sorry, coming in uh, and trying to oppose your brand new brand. Uh, costing 10,000 for you to oppose, 50,000 if you go for a hearing, hundreds of thousands if you have to go to court. Money you just can't afford. And this is where biz small businesses often die uh, trying to defend their new brand. So previously, trademark insurance has been focused on those that have had that have registered their trademark. And to understand this, we have to go through the stages. So first of all, it's, it's kind of like um, looking for planning permission. So stage one, you apply. Stage two, this gets evaluated by your council. Uh, stage three, it's accepted or rejected. And stage four is the key area. So it's the opposition phase. This is where if you're applying for planning permission, you've got um, your neighbors probably opposing your brand new conservatory that's going up. Or in a trademark situation, your competitors that are opposing your new trademark that maybe is too similar to theirs. Uh, and this, this stage can last months. Following that, you finally have acceptance or finally registering your trademark. So ours is focused on that opposition stage. It's about making sure that small businesses have the protection they need to fight off any big competitors that come in, um, sometimes with weak and unsubstantiated oppositions, knowing that small businesses just don't have the money to fight back. 
So our cover will cover that, and that's Trademark Protect. Uh, so last year, my company, BMS, partnered with CFC in London uh, to offer this in Australia, to the Intellectual Property Australia, meaning that uh, new businesses could get this coverage for the first time in the world. Uh, in Australia, there's 75,000 new unique trademarks registered every single year. And the oppositions to these are rising year on year, as they are everywhere else in the world. What we needed was a cheap solution for those SME clients, um, but also one that was going to have enough volume to be viable for our underwriting partners. We offered limits of around 50,000 Australian dollars, which is enough to write a legal uh, response to an opposition, but also to, have, uh, to, to go to a hearing. So this is enough to put off anyone that has got unsubstantiated or weak claims. Uh, this should hopefully cover people in 98% of circumstances. And when the policy costs only $215, it is a suitably affordable solution. With our partners in the Intellectual Property Australia, we've got their API, meaning that we can now offer instant quotes um, using just the trademark application and a few short questions. Uh, this means it's easily accessible. So, uh, so yeah, so our policy covers this shortfall that was facing the Australian market. Um, it is affordable, it is accessible, and it is fully integrated with the IP Australia systems. It means that the next time that David faces Goliath, he has a little bit up his sleeve. Large energy companies have massive carbon offset obligations. Some invest in third-party projects that give them carbon credits to fulfill their offset requirements. But if the project fails, then there can be significant fines. Julian Richardson founded Pyhelion 11 years ago to provide insurance cover against such problems. I'm Julian Richardson. I've been in the insurance industry for 20-something <clears throat> years uh, with a long background in the broking world at Marsh, ran the oil and gas business on the Middle East for uh, them for a while, and then flipped over to the underwriting side at what was then GE Francona, is now part of Swiss Re. So I have a pretty good understanding of how insurance work, but as Dan noted, I'm one of those guys, one of those guys that left, uh, thinking there's got to be more to life than just insuring the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company for another five years. Been there, done that, wanted to do something. So I set up Parhelion, and we're a mission-oriented business. We are a for-profit, but we have a mission behind our purpose. And that mission is what is called climate finance. So climate change is a subject we all know has to be dealt with. We roughly know what the problem is, and we pretty much know what we've got to do in order to deal with it. What we don't know is who the hell's going to pay for it. So that's what we work on. How do we use insurance capital to support the deployment of other forms of capital, principally debt and equity, into sustainable development opportunities? So we have... Um, you know, a lot of people don't invest in climate-friendly projects or opportunities because of certain barriers, certain risks that they're concerned about. So what we do is identify those risks and see if we can create an insurance solution that is going to take that risk off the table and allow debt and equity to be invested in, into that sector. 
Um, we have two live uh, transactional products that we work on. The first is uh, a product we developed for the California carbon trading market. In that market, people are obliged to reduce their emissions. And one way they can do it is by carbon offsetting. And the California regulators said you can invest in these carbon offset projects, but they've got to be robust. They've got to have environmental integrity. And if they don't, we're going to come along and tear those carbon offsets up. So on the one hand, you have these big energy emitters, the big power companies in California, the oil companies, all those energy-intensive en industries that have been obliged to invest in these small, smaller startups that are developing carbon offset projects. They need a guarantee that if they spend their money with those people, that, that those offsets are not going to be ripped up, and therefore they will suffer some sort of fine or, or, or problem, financial penalty at a later date. This was a real barrier for those people in that market. So we developed an insurance product that says, if you invest in these carbon offsets and the regulator comes along and tears those offsets up, we will indemnify uh, for that loss. And what that has done, that's allowed people to, to make those investments with greater confidence. It's taken the risk out of doing those doing those investments. That's a live product. We have uh, an underwriting facility with four syndicates at Lloyd's that allows us to bind business up to $15 million any one project. We don't have any technology supporting that at the moment. It's all done in a really rather man uh, manual process. So we'd love to hear from people that may have the opportunity to provide some technology that can uh, automate that and really shorten the supply chain of what we do. You know, we're sitting in London, we're dealing with a big power company in the US, we have to, the challenge of dealing with all the US regulations, filing with the surplus lines uh, authority in California, uh, closing our business through Lloyd's. We work with a London broker, we work with a, a US broker. It's a long supply chain, right? So I'd be really interested to know what the Instec community could do for us. The second product we, we have, we're working with the UN to create an investment fund and insurance solution to invest in geothermal energy. Geothermal energy is one of those renewable energies, but unlike wind and solar, it's always on. Once you've got a renewable energy plant running, it works as they call baseload. And that's really important for renewable energy not to suffer from that intermittency challenge. The problem with geothermal energy is it's really expensive to do and it's quite high risk. So we've developed an insurance product that de-risks that and we de-risk the drilling and exploration phase of the geothermal development. So again, from the InsurTech community, we'd be interested to know what you could bring to us in terms of how we can improve on that process, the predictability of geological exploration and uh, geothermal energy production. Uh, the most recent product we're, we're looking at is on electric vehicles. Now, we all know that tes Teslas are out there, they're very sexy, and there is a big push into EV uh, um, uh, vehicles, electric vehicles. One of the problems that sector is facing is battery life. And anyone who buys an EV vehicle today is going to be faced with a 
really big uh, discount when they come to sell it on the second-hand market because everyone's concerned, is that battery going to continue working? So we're working with an organization in the US that represents 42,000 EV vehicle owners that want to know that their investment is going to, is going to be worth uh, what they think it's going to be worth when they come to sell their car or, or replace their car in a couple of years. So we're looking to develop an EV battery warranty program. Um, we've been going uh, about 11 years. We still think of ourselves as a startup. We are a small organization, but we are constantly innovating. Uh, and I think it's really interesting to see how the in insurance industry is gradually waking up to the opportunities of innovation and the deployment of technology. And uh, I'd like to meet anyone that can work with us on any of those projects. Thank you. That's it for now. Thanks to 90 for sponsoring our recent event and to MS Amlin, one of our 2018 Guild sponsors. We'll be returning soon. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about Instec London and our future events, you can find us at www.instec.london or on Twitter at instec underscore London. <laughs>